Blog Talk Radio. And this is your host, Baba Wesley Gray, speaking to you from New York City. It's a pleasure to have you joining us again here on Grassroots Holistic Health Talk Radio Show. Again, um, I must say that I appreciate all of you tuning in, especially on a Saturday morning, because it just shows you that you're very much interested in what this show has to present to you. It's a pleasure to have you with us. And we look forward to a continuum of this uh, show to be furthered uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, This show this morning is special in that it's uh, concentrating on the essence of the month of March celebrating women's history. Specifically, uh, with our show, we are concerned with the history of black women, women of African descent throughout the African diaspora. Our guest this morning will be Dr. Christopher Saltpaw. He's been a featured guest on our show uh, throughout uh, the past few years, and it's always a, a delight to have him joining us. And for those of you who are not familiar with uh, the history and the past of Dr. Uh, Saltpaw in terms of his uh, expertise, uh, Dr. Christopher Saltpaw received his Bachelor of Science in Material Science Engineering from Rutgers University, his Doctorate of Naturopathic uh, Medicine from Barcester University, and his Master's on, uh, on Acupuncture from the New York College of Traditional Chinese Medicine. He has a lifelong dedication to healing and has worked with patients suffering from many different health conditions such as obesity, diabetes, hypertension, HIV, AIDS, and cancer. While in Seattle, prior to medical school, Dr. Sawpaw helped found a mentoring program for adolescents struggling to become conscious and positive adults. He also worked for several years in the foster care system with troubled youth and in the pharmaceutical and biotechnology industries. He has worked for six years as a doctor of nutrition and at Invite Health, and since opening up his practice in New York City in 2005, Dr. Sawpaw has worked extensively in helping individuals manage their blood pressure, blood pressure and blood sugar, with diet, nutrition, and exercise. Dr. Sawpaw joined a team of alternative health practitioners 
at the Peace Health Center in Brooklyn to help con- combat the growing health crises in the inner city and particularly in the African-American community. He has also completed training in naturopathic cardiology. He has conducted detoxification programs, managed sliding scale acupuncture clinics, and has used acupuncture to help numerous individuals with musculoskeletal pain as a result of traumatic injury, attrition, or some inflammatory process. Dr. Sopor has received acupuncture on ecology training from the renowned Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Cancer Center. And now, uh, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dr. Sokor onto our show and to uh, continue what would promise to, will promise to be an exciting show concerning black women's health. Dr. Sokor, are you with us? Uh, we, I am. I am. Uh, good morning, and, and uh, it's a pleasure to be with you again today. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to... Um, having this talk and, and uh, honoring uh, our women and um, talking about some of the challenges that um, um, we have ahead uh, in terms of uh, making sure that our women get the best health. Wonderful. Best health care. Yes, indeed. And um, I'd like to also <clears throat> emphasize that we could not con- complete this show without having my lovely wife, Dr. Dora Gray, joining us. Uh, I think it's completely apropos and uh, essential uh, that we have a woman such as my wife to share her thoughts and knowledge and wisdom regarding women's health. So, honey, it's a pleasure to have you with us. I'm glad to be here. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Chris. Um, Good to meet with you again. And I'm looking Good morning, Dora. Good to to meet with you, too. Yes. (laughs) And before we go any further, we'd like to take a moment of silence to uh, acknowledge and to honor um, our mother, uh, Dora's mother, my mother-in-law, the esteemed Dorothea Farrell. So we will now take a moment of silence to who just recently passed away two weeks ago. Um, and we'd like to just honor her as she has transitioned into the realm uh, of the ancestors. Ashe. Ashe. We give thanks. My mom passed away peacefully at 93 years old, and in our tradition, we honor our elders. So we just give thanks for the life that she led and the example that she gave to me and the example that she gave to women in general. So we give thanks. Uh, absolutely. Yes, indeed. So, uh, uh, Dr. Sopa, I'm going to uh, open the mic up to you and and we can uh, just progress from uh, uh, proceed from the areas in which you feel to be uh, most significant and important about women health issues. Yeah, I think that um, in the African American community, I-, I believe that there are few um, 
health concerns that are challenging um, um, our women even more so today. And um, I, there's two of them off the top of my head, or, or two of them that I've been kind of meditating on, I should say, um, when, I, when, I, um, when we talked about doing the show. Uh, the first of which is, is breast cancer. And um, in general, African-American women and white women have breast cancer at the same rate or get breast cancer at the same rate. But it turns out that African-American women are 40, 42% higher. They have a 42% um, higher rate of dying of breast cancer um, and there's many reasons why that happens. So, again, white and black women get breast cancer at the same rate, but black women die from breast cancer at a much higher rate. It's alarming. And that's only going higher and higher. That number keeps creeping up. And so, I, you know, so we need to kind of step back and look, and look at and think about what are the conditions that create breast cancer. Um, and I think that there's a lot we don't know. Um, there's a genetic piece that we're beginning to understand. There may be some issues with chemical exposures that we're yet to understand. Um, but what we do know is that some of the things and some of the variables that really are at play here are the growing health disparities in terms of what, in terms of um, how our health is determined by our socioeconomic status. Mm -hmm. So if you're poor, if you have less access to medicine, you don't you don't necessarily get the early warning screenings. You don't necessarily get the the proper follow up. And then I think that that creates a situation in breast cancer, where you see this kind of disproportionate rate of dying in that in that African American women, for the most part, again, there's the socioeconomic variables and the lifestyle variables, and um, the uh, you know the the variables around access that we have to talk about and deal with like how can we get our women to have greater access to to the healthcare that's going to allow us to allow our women to um, survive these conditions. Mm -hmm. So that's that would be my first point and the first thing that I think that we kind of need to to address and talk about. And there's a couple of other things that I feel like um, play into this. One of them is again, and I said said before, genetics. And so, uh, one of the interesting things is that we're beginning to find out about breast cancer is that um, there are a lot of genetic associations, and two of the strongest ones are this gene um, um, called BRCA1, and the second one is BRCA2. And so, these genes are genes that, um, when they're working right, they're supposed to help a woman grow normal breast tissue. And it's they're supposed to help a woman be able to repair her breast tissue, but if they're mutated, if they're broken down, then a woman would start to develop breast tissue abnormally, or have abnormal breast tissue growth, and not be able to repair her breast tissue. So it turns out that they're beginning to do this research, which wasn't done before, and I think. Again, and this is kind of like a, a, another issue probably we need to talk about and. Uh, you know, this is a big, 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 big topic, is that when, it, when they're doing these studies, a lot of times the populations that they study don't reflect us. Mm -hmm. So we never get the information that we need to kind of make informed decisions. Mm -hmm. So 
we've known about BRCA for, I think, at least 10, 15 years, and how um, this is kind of like an early warning indicator for breast cancer. So if you if you are um, a woman, you get tested for the BRCA gene, and you know that you have an increased risk of getting breast cancer. This is like the whole Angelina Jolie thing where she had all of these, um, had um, breast cancer in her family, had the BRCA gene, um, and uh, had some other genetic markers that she was able to determine and make her decision about getting her um, her breast removed. And so that type of information, I think for the most part, is more available for people who are and women who are white, who are uh, socioeconomically um, empowered and strong. Um, and so it turns out that black women have this mutation at a greater rate but they're not getting tested for it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that there are lots of um, just lots of basic lifestyle things that can reduce a woman's risk, even if she's got that, that mutation. One of them is looking at your weight. And if a person is obese, especially if it's a younger woman, losing weight really, really reduces your risks or reduces the risk of getting breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. Diet and just eating a plant-based diet, I think, decreases the risk of breast cancer by like 50%, especially in women who have this who are um, have this BRCA gene mutation. And there's some other nutrients and things like that that I feel like um, really help reduce risk, which we can talk about. Um, but I think that I, I, I want to stop talking and just get some feedback or maybe get some questions from callers um, about about what, about breast cancer and like how we can create a uh, way to get women better access to to this type of testing in our community. So that's great, Chris. Um, this information is invaluable. And um, right now, we don't have any callers that are um, raising their hands to speak. So I would like to just. Um, I would like to comment on what you said because this this is um this is amazing and it's information just this information alone can save many lives because when we start promoting the fact that African American women have a 42% higher rate of dying from breast cancer than our um counterparts that that's a wake up call that's a wake up call for me I didn't realize that the numbers were so high. Um, as you know, Barbara and I ascribe to a plant-based diet, and uh, it's encouraging to find out that something, um, whilst it might not be easy, I have to refer to it as being simple, because we're just talking about um, changing your diet. It's not easy to change your diet when you're used to eating the standard American diet. And also um, some of the other diets, uh, the Caribbean diet, you know, we like a lot of oxtail and sweets and this and that, and, you know, and it tastes delicious, but it's not good for you. So just knowing that something as simple as changing your diet can reduce the rate, um, reduce the risk of um, contracting breast cancer by 50%. 50% is a very wide margin. We're not talking about, you know, sometimes we say, oh, 10% chance of 50%. You're cutting the risk in half. So I think for um, people that might be in a challenged socioeconomical um, 
category might not have that access to health care, might not have health care at all, take the bull by the horns. Take control of your own health. Make a decision to learn how to change your diet and teach the children, by example, of learning how to change their diets by giving them healthy snacks, discouraging them from eating the chips and all the, you know, all the things that contain, um, uh, well, look, Look if, look, if these people want to call me and give me um, mean comments or whatever, do what you have to do. But don't eat stuff with canola oil. Don't eat things with high fructose corn syrup. I'm not trying to put any, any um, companies out of business or anything, <laughs> but I'm just keeping it real. These things, um, the research that I've done on cancer, and I'm not a medical doctor. You all know that I'm a doctor of philosophical theology. I'm a minister. Um, but... I still do research on many other subjects, right? And the research I've subject on cancer, cancer feeds on sugar. Don't eat the sugar, okay? Even if you can't do a drastic change in your diet by letting everything be plant-based, if you want to keep eating the meat and all these other things, look, we can't make you do anything you don't want to do. But don't eat the sugar and don't feed your children the sugar. Cancer feeds on sugar. Am I on point with that, Dr. Saltpaw? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think that, um, you know, it's it's interesting that, you know, metformin is this drug that that, uh, helps your body deal with cancer, right? You know, so they give it to diabetics or people who have blood sugar issues. You know, and it's now become one of the standard um, approaches to treat cancers, that's how important it is, you know. So when you go and if you have a cancer, they give you drugs now to control your sugar. That's how important it is. And so it's totally on point. I mean, I think that the foundation of a plant-based diet is that you're avoiding sugars and you're eating fiber and it's going to slow down the release of sugar in your bloodstream. The studies say that the Mediterranean diet, you know, I think that there's not many studies on vegetarian diets or paleo diets, but the Mediterranean diet is the one that they've done a lot of studies on. And that's the diet that's largely based in, like, plants. So you're eating, like, mostly all plant plant foods, some grains, you know, some oily fish um, from, you know, um, that have a lot of omega-3s and things like that in them, lots of nuts, lots of seeds, lots of olive oil, lots of things like that. So the Mediterranean diet, if you need a model for the type of diet that you want to um uh, incorporate into your life, that's the one that in breast cancer um, has some research behind it. So, um, you know, for the listeners out there, the people interested, if you need an example or a model, Google Mediterranean diet, and there's like probably a million hits will come up and how to go about implementing something like that in your life. And I believe that that's a good first step to take, that if if you are, um, you know, uh, if you have history of breast cancer in your family, you know, and I think that you know, if if women aren't diagnosed yet, I think it's good to start thinking about that, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. if your mother or your sisters are struggling with this, and you may not have it, um, but it's in your family, then you probably need to start doing things to kind of just protect yourself and changing your diet. If you're overweight, losing weight are two of the biggest ways that you can kind of um, avoid having this life-threatening and um, for many people, fatal condition. So many other things that I've uh, that I think that we need to mention. One of them is uh, alcohol consumption. 
mm-hmm. um, which increases your uh, um, rate of having breast cancer by 50 to 100%. That's like a large margin, but I mm-hmm. think that there's it, it's dose-dependent. So if you're drinking more, if you drink like a lot of alcohol, and you have breast cancer in your family, it increases your risk, like doubles your risk or increases it by like 100%. Um, If uh, another thing that, you know, you'd want to consider is if you have exposure to um, like pesticides and herbicides. So, um, you know, um, things that are on your plant food that, um, you know, um, that are used to control pests and things like that. So if you eat non-organic, I believe is another um is another contributor a potential contributor um BPA has been found to be another um issue or um contributor to breast cancer something that may increase your risk and you know pe- people can get BPA off of um 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 from it's it's a plasticizer that's used in cans so for instance if you um if you have a can of uh, sardines, sometimes the cans are lined and it's plastic and it's called BPA and it leaches out of the plastic and it gets into um, it gets into the the fish. And so if you consume it, um, you know if you consume it, then you get it in your body and that increases your risk of lots of different things. But it's found that breast cancer is one of them. Um, other sources of BPA is if you're drinking out of plastic bottles, if you are um, I think if you're touching um, receipt paper, so those are ways that you can can get BPA exposure. Um, other things could be like exposures to air fresheners, uh, paint fumes, uh, household cleansing agents. All of those types of things are really, really important to to take assessment of. Um, and also, you know, just getting back to the basics like exercise and diet. And alcohol, reducing alcohol consumption, if you're drinking alcohol, um, recuts your risk in more than half. And so, again, if you're seeing these things, and and losing weight. So, again, if you're seeing these things in your family, these are areas that you really need to focus on and clean up around. Chris, could you speak for a minute about the mammograms, the dreaded mammograms? Yeah. Yeah, I can. That is a really, really... Great, great question. So, um, so mammograms are a screening uh, tool that has been used to uh, screen for breast cancer, and um, it's an imaging technique that uh, radiates an area, the breasts. Um, the issue is is that there's a debate with whether or not um, the use of this radiation, um, the use of this radiation makes your cancer worse. So here's the issue, that mammograms aren't that sensitive. And uh, and so if a woman has um, a kind of like hidden breast cancer, sometimes a mammogram isn't really good enough to, to detect it. So um, if it's like this small kind of like almost undetectable cancer and you're irradiating it and not finding it and you continue to irradiate it, it, but what you're do, what you're effectively doing potentially is making it grow. Like the chances of this are hap- that of happening are supposedly really low, but that gene that I talked about earlier, BRCA1 and BRCA2, mm-hmm. it's supposedly higher. So if you're irradiating someone who's BRCA1 and BRCA2 
positive, the um, chances of causing a tumor to grow or cancer to grow through a mammogram are higher. And so, but it's still a small percentage. So that's a debate about mammograms, and that it's a not really a it's not really a very good detection technique to begin with. And you also, um, and you also have, uh, in, you know, you also have this kind of um, um, whole thing where you are adding radiation to it, and you and you run your risk of uh, increasing your risk of growing your cancer. I believe that mammograms only like detect like fifty percent of of tumors that are there or something like that. So it's not a very good imaging technique to begin with, right? So mm-hmm. that compounded with the fact that the ones that you're not picking up, you may be making them grow bigger, why do it? So the answer to the question is is that there's no better, well, there's no better FDA-approved way of doing this type of screening. What I believe is that I think that if you... um don't do mammograms frequently if you do breast self-exams and if you become knowledgeable, if women become knowledgeable about breast self-exams, if you weigh your risks, if you're black, if you're BRCA1, BRCA2, you know, if you go ahead and get the genetic testing, if you have it in your family, if you're not eating right, these are all things that would make you want to say, okay, uh, maybe I shouldn't be getting the mammogram. Maybe I should be correcting all of these lifestyle factors first before I start irradiating myself, right? And so there yeah. are other um, non-FDA-approved imaging techniques that are being developed that seem to have promise, like um, breast thermography where they're trying to detect the heat coming from the breast or thermometry, kind of like the same um, idea, but they're, but they're um, imaging it in a different way. Don't add radiation to the area. So... so um, those are potential ways where you can do some imaging to detect these things. But again, you know, um, it depends, that question depends on who you ask, because I think that there's a lot of people who say, well, the mammograms, you have to do them because they're just the best way of of um, right now that we have of finding these things out, and in reality, that's the truth. But there are complications from it, as I described, and so that's that's an awesome, awesome question um, and I think that um, one of the things that I want to say about mammography, mammography and black women is that um, part of the reason why the incidence of death is higher in black women is that um, a lot of times, number one, black women aren't getting screened. They're not getting mammograms. And number two, if there's an abnormality found, and so I think that that, Right now, um, the rate of screening is the same as between black women and white women, but but the 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 rate of screening, according to a lot of medical professionals, is low. And I think it's because of the question you asked mm-hmm. that you know people have come people have you know issues with doing a mammogram, but the follow up to it once that once an abnormality is found in the breast uh, in the breast is disproportionately. Uh, out of balance, and so it's like you know, um, if if a white woman goes into the doctor and then she gets a mammogram and they find a tumor in her breast, um, she gets treatment. If that happens to a black woman, chances are that she won't. There won't be follow up treatment. Mm-hmm. And so now, why is that? 
Is that because the doctor isn't taking it seriously? Maybe. Is that because the the woman has other things going on in her life which she just can't deal with going through this right now? But that is the trend, that one of the explanations for that increased uh, rate or, or risk of dying is that once diagnosed with an abnormality, that black women don't get the follow-up treatment. And so um, uh, that's an excellent question, and it just brings up so much. And, I mean, I think that that's a whole show around it. Um, but I think that what, what I'd like people to really understand is that there are other ways, and other ways are just kind of like just begin by thinking about your family history. Even if you had a man in your life uh, or in your family who's had breast cancer, I think that um, that's that's actually uh, possible. And so, um, you know, if you're a woman whose brother had breast cancer, father had breast cancer, and mother, you know, and you're overweight and you're not ha- and you don't have a good diet, you better start doing stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So that's an excellent question. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I, you know, that question is close to me because I'll actually, I'm willing to disclose to the listeners and, you know, just like my my personal journey because I feel people need to talk. Absolutely. You know, yes. and in the African American community, I feel we don't, you know, we don't talk enough about things that are going on with us, and so I'm I'm willing to just put it out there. But Chris, personally, I've never had one. I don't believe in that. I'm not suggesting that people do what I do, but as to my doing my own research, I, if, so, if a doctor tells me something, I respect everyone's letters after their names. But I figure that anybody that, you know, is reasonably intelligent, you're able to read, now we have this wonderful tool called the Internet where mm-hmm. we can, you know, in a second, right, research something on our own. From the research that I did personally, I chose over the years not to have one. Now, I, now years ago, before these things even came about, um, before these things even came, not that before they came about, but before they came available to us, I'll put it that way, because I think these things were around a long time, but we weren't privy to them. Women used to do things that they call a self-exam which you're supposed to do every month around your cycle. And I've done that for years. And you, you, literally, you literally check, um, Dr. Saltpaw can describe it in better detail. I'm just a lay person, but I've been doing it for years, right? And um, you just um, you feel the tissue around your breast. You, you press the nipples in, and you check and see if you feel any kind of lumps or pain or abnormality. You can do that before you go to the doctor, and that way if you notice anything, you at least go there with an idea in your mind that maybe something's wrong, and then your, your uh, medical practitioner can then confirm it or rule it out or whatever, whatever they need to do. But ladies, come on. You know, this is your body, okay? And before they had mammograms, I, I know when I was growing up, the first time I went to the gynecologist or whatever, and they would have charts on the wall. I don't really see those charts lately. But they used to have charts on the wall of how to do your own um, self-breast exam. 
So that's that's something to consider. But, you know, me personally, I'm not comfortable with mammograms. I'm not trying to put anybody out of business or suggest that you don't do it. But I do always tell people, make your own decisions because you don't want to have regrets later saying, oh, I did it and I shouldn't have and I did it and I think it contributed to my cancer. You don't, you don't ever want to feel that way. So research, do, do, your, um, do your due diligence, and every month around the time of your cycle, do your own self-breast exam. If you've never heard of it, if you've never done it, Google it or ask your doctor how to do it. It's very simple. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just I just want to follow up before it just um there's like risk calculators, right? And so what that means is that um there are ways that you can measure your risk that will give you a good indication about um your chances of getting breast cancer. And so there are things that um the calculators that you can plug into that are like uh you know, whether or not it's in your family what your diet is like, if you've got diabetes, if you've got any other conditions, um, what's your weight, what's your height, so what's your BMI, uh, body mass index. Um, you know, and so all of these factors go into that decision. You know, um, what, you know, uh, when, 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 you know, is there ovarian cancer in your family? Is there uterine cancer in your family? Is there any other type of cancer in your family? Um, have you ever had anything like that before? What is your birth history? Have you had uh um problems with menstrual cycles, menstrual irregularities. Um um have you waited a long, long, long time before giving but meaning like did you um have your first pregnancy after the age of forty, right? And so like all of these things are important in determining your risk of breast cancer. And so there are ways that you can do this type of research like uh Dr. Gray and Dora is talking about um, that will give you some awareness around what your risks are. And so if you're a person, again, who's had who's overweight, who's got a lot of stress in their, their lives, who uh, doesn't really have a good diet, um, who has breast cancer in their family, um, you know, this is a situation where you may want to start looking into at least getting some genetic testing or seeing a doctor. Or even, or even kind of considering the mammogram, and <clears throat> you know, I understand people's concerns with it, um, <clears throat> but um, you know, again, it's it's a tool that's that's available to you, and I'll just leave it at that. Well, you scared me, Chris, when you said one of the risk factors was diabetes. I'm going to deal with that. I'm still, I'm still not getting one. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm, I'm well. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, that's really, uh, you know, revealing this whole subject of uh, mammograms and breast cancer. I'm sure that the listening audience has uh, a lot to digest uh, just from that input. And, of course, as you said, Dr. Sorkpaul, this could be a whole show, mm -hmm. and I hope uh, that we do revisit this yeah. uh, in the near future so that we can spread this knowledge uh, throughout the community. Uh, at this time, I'd like to take a short break, but before I do that, uh, Dr. Sopor, uh you're having a, uh, a a grand opening, a soft opening, as we call it, <laughs> uh, this afternoon uh, here in Brooklyn, New York. I'd like you to share with the audience uh, 
this event and also how they can get in contact with you, et cetera. Yeah, I, I, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, we're we're having a soft opening, and what, what, what that is is just the, you know, um, we've been planning on getting together this health clinic that is um, um, right in Brooklyn, and um, it's myself, and um, we consider it alternative health, but we're doing a lot of things in there um, that are beyond, um, that are very conventional, um, that are more aesthetic medicine, and that are all alternative health. So there's going to be a lot of things happening there. In there, um, I'm partnering with a um, two medical doctors. One of them's a gynecologist. The other one's a pain ma- pain management specialist. And we're forming this clinic where we are uh, focusing on um, optimizing health. Um, sexual health, uh, your your performance in terms of um, being able to get out of bed and move around freely in the morning, um, and every every um, aspect of your performance, and so your ability to just be healthy. And so my part of it is is I'm going to bring in the natural medicine, while the other two practitioners are doing things like um, uh, testosterone replacement for men. Um, things like um, um, facial rejuvenation for females, uh, sexual enhancement in terms of being able to um, have um, um, fuller erections, um, orgasms and things like that for women. Um, if a person's like losing their hair, they need them to slow down their hair loss. And so there's a lot of services that we're going to offer at this clinic, but the, fo- the focus is on... Um, alternative medicine and doing it as naturally as possible um and stepping back from that then focusing on like you know obviously like diet and exercise and how you can really truly um strengthen your your core foundations to to live this optimal life and we give support in um pretty much all of the areas um um uh, to get you to this place and so um Tonight, the events from 4 to 7, 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. at 255 Eastern Parkway. Uh, that's uh, between Washington and Franklin, um, almost across from the uh, museum. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's in this uh, large kind of like um, uh, a building with co-ops in it. And you just walk through the first glass doors and you walk through the second glass doors, go to the garden, you make a right into the doctor's office and, and and we'll be there. And it's a soft opening because, um, you know, we still have a lot of work to do on getting the place together, but we just wanted to start letting people know that we're there and we're in a community and we're there to help. And, um, and um, we have this good intent um, and um, we want to do this work. And um, I don't really think that this, this, what we're trying to do is going to be, is available at many other places in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, we just want to start to put the word out there about us. And I think that um, um, there's one person who's actually seeing patients. I haven't seen any patients yet. I don't even have my office space completely set up, and that's going to be probably done by next week. But we just want to invite people in to see what we're doing and to talk to us and meet us. And if you got any health questions or health concerns um, from A to Z, you can come, and then we can talk to you and, and tell you about what we have to offer. That's awesome. Fantastic. We're looking forward to... Uh visiting you uh, later on this afternoon, uh, Dr. Sokor. Uh, what is the phone number, contact information? <clears throat> so um, my phone number is 917-837-6722. Uh, 
And there's a larger Oasis phone number. Um, I, I'm trying to get it out of my phone right now. I don't even know it off the top of my head. But I'll have it for you by the end of the show. Sure, absolutely. And right. we want to mention to the listeners, please come and bring a friend. Absolutely. Bring a friend. <laughs> absolutely. Do not come alone. Yes. Bring somebody. Yes. Beat the drums and, sh- and share the news. Because we know we'll be sharing the news. So bring a friend. Mm-hmm. Well, at this point, we're going to take a short break and give ourselves a chance to have a, a sip of water or whatever it is to uh, moisten our, our mouth and, and stretch. And we will be right back with you shortly. Indeed. Well, uh, needed to say, this uh, show has covered areas which I'm sure the majority of the women, if not all of the women who are listening in, and the men for that matter, uh, find uh, have found very interesting in education. Uh, I look forward to more conversation about this, and I know that, Dr. Sorpo, we had talked about HIV and black women, and uh, perhaps that's something that we can uh, touch upon later on. And and um, my wife, uh, Dora, you'd like to share something with us? Uh, well, I actually have a question before we move on to HIV. I just sure. wanted to stay on cancer for a moment because um, there's also controversy. I would just like Chris to expound a little on the controversy regarding treatment with radiation versus non-treatment, because some research that I've done, I'm seeing that there, if you do not submit to chemo, it doesn't really threaten your mortality. And I'm seeing that a lot, that, you know, they're saying that, oh, you know, studies have shown that if there's a five-year life expectancy, let's just say there's a five-year life expectancy, Chemo isn't going to extend that. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, what's what's then? What's the point of the chemo? Is 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 that just to help with the symptoms? Because if it's not going to increase the mortality rate, then why go through that? Right. I mean, I think that that's an excellent question. Again, um, you know, this is so tough because I feel like. Boy, I feel like um, there's a lot of factors that depend on that that have to come into play, and I'll I'll just name a few. Like the aggressiveness of the cancer is one of them. Um, so sometimes people have like these uh, what's called like a triple negative type of breast cancer, 
where you don't where you're estrogen receptor negative, progesterone receptor negative, HER2 negative, and these are really aggressive forms of cancer um, that sometimes treatment doesn't really work on. And so, like, if you're one of those people, then you know you, you got this aggressive form, and probably you know you're going to be more in a category where you're facing, um, um, you know, where you're where you're, where you're look staring death in you know death in the face, right? And so, um, so th- there's a lot of issues around that, and so it it dep- I think that it depends upon you know, the type of cancer you have, the type of breast cancer you have, the aggressiveness of the cancer, um, and oh, all of those other kind of lifestyle factors that people are willing to to do. And so um, so there are some issues with chemotherapy and, and, and radiation and chemotherapy. Like, I, like we talked about before, irradiating the area and getting, and getting radiation to the breast tissue, um, does it actually help to shrink? Or does it have, help to actually destroy some of the tissue, or are you, or are you effectively adding more radiation to the area and you're causing more cancers to grow? And so, is this this is something that we all struggle with? Chemotherapy are toxins, right? And so the the idea is that you poison those areas that um, are um, growing, and so um, is by poisoning these areas, is it? Um, is it going to help, or is it going to actually eventually hurt in the end? And so I do think that there's some research that says that, that the chemo largely hasn't really improved um, outcomes, cancer outcomes. And I think that that's not just with breast cancer. I think that that's with many forms of cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been using, like, the same old techniques for the past um, 70 years. And um, the rates of um curing cancer haven't really changed up until recently when I, when we're starting to get into like immunotherapies and genetic therapies with cancer that aren't using toxins in your body. So I feel like um there's a lot more available to to women now than chemo than just radiation. So mm-hmm. I would encourage um a person who's got this type of diagnosis that if you're just offered chemo and radiation then you need to seek second options because I do think that your point is valid, Dora. That uh, you know, um, it's hell going through that type of treatment. Mm-hmm. It's like literally hell. I mean, I'm I'm dealing with, um, you know, I've I've got a few patients that I'm seeing now who have breast cancer, and I see what they go through, and I'm like, you know, after they get their 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 chemo or their meds, you know, they're like out. They, they, mm-hmm. you know, they they need to to take a bunch of other medications just to keep themselves out of pain, and so it's not an easy road of re- to recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, some some people have success with it, and some people just keep having to be uh, in this kind of um, uh, you know cycle where they need to take the medication. You know, they need to take these uh, chemotherapeutic drugs or for um, a cycle after cycle after cycle, and so after you do the cycle. You know, you get really, really sick. And so, again, I think that that question, what what really is behind that is the form of cancer and the, the um, aggressiveness of the cancer. And so if you've got one of the more aggressive types, um, it's going to be hard to treat you anyway. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's really promising what we're seeing now in oncology with some of the other therapies that are coming out. Again, some of the other gene therapies and immuno-oncology therapies where they're targeting the cancer cells and um, they're... Um, um, find out, finding out information um, 
your genetic information that connects you with drugs that will more effectively treat you. And so those are increasing the rates of of cure, if you can even call it that, because like, you know, you know, we we talked about yesterday, Dora, like what what you define as cure may be different than me. I feel like, you know, if if you got breast cancer and you go and you do some chemotherapeutic drug and now you don't have it anymore and they say, well, because you don't have it anymore, you probably won't get it for another five years. To me, I don't necessarily know that, that I would define it as cure. I would probably say that what would what I would deem as cure is is you're optimally healthy, and so your body is now not going to produce a situation or you're doing everything you can to not produce a situation where you'll get cancer again. And so to to, to your power, right, to, to, the, to the best of your ability. And so I, I think that that's even a problematic term, t- talking about, like, how you've cured something just because the, the – the cancer is no longer detectable in your body. Okay, it's not there anymore, but why did it get there in the first place? And so I that, agree. Again, thank you for the question. Oh, sure. What about the premise, uh, doctor, that uh, we all have cancer all during our life. However, we, with having a healthy immunizational system, that the cancer cells, uh, I, I read some time ago how there are certain uh, cells in the body that act as soldiers, and they are alerted when there's a cancer in the body that's about to go away, and then they are sent to that area and they attack the, the cancer and get rid of it. Uh, could you elaborate about this? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what's supposed to happen, right? And so we're all, like, making mistakes in our body all of the time, but your immune mm-hmm. system's supposed to clean it up. Those mistakes, when the immune system doesn't clean them up sometimes they turn into cancer sometimes but not all the time right and mm-hmm. and so sometimes they just sometimes tumors just grow but they're benign and sometimes other things happen but sometimes they turn into cancer and they just keep going on and on and on and on and your immune system in the very beginning is supposed to take care of that and why doesn't yes. that happen and so um why doesn't that happen is kind of like the 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 million dollar question that no one really has the answer to but we do know that there are there are challenges to your body that make that create a situation that's less hospitable for your immune system to be able to manage those things, and that's what we can do um, by the prevention that we're talking about, right? And so by losing weight, making sure your vitamin D levels are high. If you've got blood sugar issues, making sure that's taken care of. Um, exercising, eating your polyphenol rich plant food diet with curcumin, with green tea, with resveratrol, you know, all of these things help to strengthen your immune system and they help to fight off those kind of um, minute uh, cells that are turning into, that are, um, when your body starts creating cancer. So all of those things in the meantime are going to help fight if your immune system can't. So if you're doing all of these things, if you've got a really good nutrient-dense diet, that's why it's important because if your immune system's not picking up those things, Sometimes the things you have in your diet will help to control that too. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're drinking alcohol and eating like, uh, you know, Dunkin' Donuts every day, you know, <clears throat> you're not doing anything to give yourself an advantage. And so that's what I say. You know, if you're healthy enough where you your body is now able to take control and your diet and your lifestyle is now able to control those situations, then I think that that would be, I would define as more of a cure. 
So, um, yeah, absolutely, I, I agree with that. And, um, um, you know, I think that that's a very wise thing to think about and, think, and thinking of it that way. Mm-hmm. Can I just mention briefly layers? And what I mean by layers is uh, something that Chris spoke about just now, that, okay, you're, you might not be symptomatic right now, but, you know, what's the root cause? What might make this condition return? And so when I speak of layers, I'm talking about the layers of mind, body, and spirit. And as a theologian, as a metaphysician, right, as in someone who does energy work, as a Reiki practitioner, I just wanted to throw that into the conversation because um, there's a a book that I came across years ago. I'm I'm not promoting it. I don't, you know, I don't get paid by this organization or anything, but I believe in giving credit where credit is due. Um, There's a woman named Louise Hay, and she has the Hay Foundation, and she wrote the book, You Can Heal Your Life. She personally overcame cancer and her um, premise is that all physical maladies stem from a spiritual imbalance. I personally believe that. I personally ascribe to it. So when we talk about layers and why would someone get cancer as opposed to diabetes, as opposed to fibromyalgia, as opposed to lupus or anything else that might be out there, um, I personally believe that if you look at if you look at the possibility, all right, if you look at the possibility that there might be a spiritual connection, it could help you get some insight as to your physical condition. Um, research has shown that um, me- um, medical conditions such as cancer, diabetes, pain, and the like stem from an inability to apply forgiveness in your life. Mm-hmm. And if someone if someone in the listening audience is suffering from a specific medical condition, all I'm suggesting, okay, because I don't like to tell, I don't, I don't believe in absolutes or anything like that, but I'm suggesting go inside, go within, meditate. Mm-hmm. When I say go within, meditate. Mm-hmm. Be honest with yourself. You don't have to admit it to anybody. Okay, because, you know, people don't like to admit stuff, and that's fine. You don't have to. But admit to yourself, maybe you're suffering from a lack of forgiveness in your life because if your stomach is, figuratively speaking and sometimes literally, tied up in knots all the time, you're angry, you're this, you're that, that, that makes it easier for the disease to creep into your body. And whichever disease creeps into your body, you know, we don't know why someone gets this as opposed to that. But think about those kinds of things because I know when you're, when you're treating, you, you need to be calm. You need to be positive. You need to be, you know, as stress-free as possible. So I just wanted to put that out there, and I wanted your opinion on that, Chris. Um, I am. That is incredibly profound. I'm so happy that you mentioned that. And I'm so happy we didn't move on before we got to talk about this. And I'm going to give you um, an example, a a patient case that I had not not just a week ago. Someone I've been treating for breast cancer for, I think, about a year. Um, He began to open up to me and talk to me. And, you know, you hope to do that in this type of medicine, right, where you can can see your patient enough where you can make a connection, where you can really kind of get to talking about those issues that you're talking about. Like, how do you – 
as a practitioner, as a healer, you know, Dora, like how do you get people to go to those places where they want to be, where they want to talk about what they're not forgiving in their life? And so I had this patient that just came and said to me, and we're doing an acupuncture treatment, and she said, you know, I know why I got cancer. I got cancer because I'm, I'm angry. You know, my husband cheated on me. Mm. Um, with a with a uh, a nine hundred dollar prostitute and with all of his Wall Street friends, and um, you know I found out by like looking on his credit cards and I've never you know I can't I can't understand why he did that and his defense was, you know this is what she said his defense was that well you know you know it was a prostitute you know and you know it was it was. You know, it really, it's really not cheating. You know, I was I didn't have an emotional connection with this person. I was just doing it. It was, you know, the boys went out. We were just having fun. And so that's what she said. And so um, she knows that that's why she got it. She says after that, you know, you know, that's when she started getting unhealthy. And, you know, that she knows that that's what caused it. She's made that connection. And I feel like people really understand that. People really get that. You know, mm-hmm. and if you let them, and if you kind of could uh, create create some dialogue around that, or try to do some healing around that, mm-hmm. those areas, I feel like when you talk about getting, you know, to the core of it, like yeah. have you, you know, is it cured if a person still hasn't forgiven? Absolutely. I don't think so. I don't think so. Right? If if it's cured, if the still if the person is still harboring like this intense anger. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I don't think so, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. um, so I think that that's incredibly profound. You know, you can't, we cannot forget that piece. And thank you so much. I mean, I, this is a whole show. Like yeah. this type of spiritual healing is a whole show. I mean, Absolutely. you know, this, this is, um, this is amazing. Um, and so, um, I like Louise Hay. I like, um, Carolyn Miss talks about this stuff a lot, Anatomy of the Spirit. Yeah. And so that's another book that you may want to look at um to help you. Um actually I'm um looking at this Louise Hay book right now, You Can Heal Your Life. It's sitting right here in my, my room. Um yeah, and awesome. so yeah, I'm abs- absolutely I, I really, really appreciate that you brought that up. That's so important. Awesome. And 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 for um our listeners who are not who might not be familiar with Carolyn Miss, I'm not sure she pronounced it Miss or Mice, but um she she calls herself a spiritual intuitive healer right. check her out on youtube her last name is spelled m y s s and she's awesome and i could go on and on with the list of spiritual practitioners but i find that it's real so i believe that healers no matter what line of healing you're in whether you're allopathic naturopathic uh whether you do reiki like my husband and i do i think we all need to hold hands and partner mm-hmm. because people are not maintaining good states of health because they might be missing one of the components so i'm a firm believer in partnering absolutely i i just want to reiterate that this is so sure. so so important and that this type type of stuff, like when you have cancer patients and patients who are suffering from these chronic diseases, how many times do you actually get to go to your doctor and and like deal with this? It's not in most in most instances this isn't even dealt with, right? Where you go in, you get a diagnosis, you get the drugs thrown at you, you get the herbs thrown at you, you get the acupuncture, and you get all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But 
we don't talk about how to how to process emotions. We don't talk about a lot of times how to get through this stuff. Right. And it is incredibly important it that, is. that those things are healed. So, you know, I feel like everyone who's got some kind of chronic condition needs to do this type of work. And we need to, again, I want to reiterate, we need to, again, embrace those healers who are there to help to lead us down down that um, path. I do it a little bit in my practice, but I also know many people who do that in their practices too. I think Dora uh, is a, a great example of someone who can who can facilitate that. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I'm so uh, thrilled that we've touched upon this because um, as an African drummer, um, one of the things that attracted me and elevated my commitment to being an African drummer and to share the drumming uh, practice throughout the African diaspora, that indeed every family should have an African drummer, a designated drummer, and at least have a drum in the home, um, which will facilitate a conversation that we need to have about our African history. And one of the things that... uh, Recently, in the last couple of years, that really resonated with me was uh, a Dr. Joy DeGray, the author and uh, well-renowned uh, uh, historian and uh, psychologist, whose premise that a lot of our ills within the African community is a result of what she coined the expression post-traumatic slave syndrome and that this has been passed on from generation to generation for the last 400 years since uh, the advent of of us being brought here from Africa as so-called slaves. And uh, I think that that's something, a conversation that we could have. Uh, Of course, there can be a whole show devoted to that in terms of how that has impacted our family, and specifically uh, the the black woman in, in, in in the family, who's been charged with uh, raising children at many times by herself as a single parent, and and also uh, the conditions in which um, we as slaves back in the time uh, found ourselves in in the field, being abused and so forth. So this is a a wound, a psyche, a wound that's within our psyche. And being that we're devoting the show to women health issues, black women health issues, I think this is something that would behoove us to uh, address. And briefly, though, I'd like to know, what is your input and your your take on that, Dr. Sokol? Oh, man, I, I think that there's, like, again, this is like a whole show, and it's very profound. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's like, what can you say? It, it's like uh, we still suffer from um, that post-traumatic uh, slave syndrome, and we still see remnants of, and not even remnants, we still still see blatant racism daily being played out right in front of us. And how must that affect your psyche? Also, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we see our children getting shot down in the street. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this this has to affect you emotionally. You know, um, mm-hmm. we we absolutely need to do healing around these areas. Absolutely, we need to kind of. Um, you know, uh, get in connection with our ancestors somehow and, like, uh, um, do healing in that way because I think that, you know, our ancestors went through a lot and we, you know, we, historical memory, you know. We've, we've, we've got to um, 
connect with that past to kind of like heal the future, right? And mm-hmm. heal the wounds of the past in order to heal the future. And so I think that like we do need to start there. That is definitely something that I think that um um is related to this disproportionate incidence of death in, in African American women in cancer, you know? So absolutely. Well I have something profound that I would like to share um <coughs> regarding you know and specifically African American women it's it's amazing. Now this is the first time ever that I'm publicly sharing this story. And I'll tell you why in a moment. I think Bob knows what I'm about to say, but it has to be said. Again, ladies, ladies, if you're listening, you you, ha- you have to get this. Okay, and that is on the subject of things such as um, such as rape, such as domestic violence, dealing with our women. Um, before I say, before I, I want to preface it with. You know, just tying it into things that people might be able to do immediately. Um, with holistic medicine. Now, some years ago, maybe about five years ago or so, I was reading a, a book about different herbs and, you know, different things. I've got tons of books at home in my library. You wouldn't believe it. i got more books in my house than anything else, right? And here's the thing. I found out that this herb, rosemary, if you drink rosemary tea, and, you know, everybody, listen, I'm, again, I'm not a medical doctor. Speak to Chris about this. But just from a lay person and from something that I know it's safe because we cook with it, we cook with rosemary, right? It's a spice, right? And uh, But if you make it into a tea, it can calm you down. I personally experienced that, okay, um, from just um, something that had happened to me at work. I, I do field work and something that occurred while I was on the outside, and I came home, and I was like, you know, I had a splitting headache. I was traumatized, and I'm like, okay, and I was reading Drink Rosemary Tea, and it really works. Now, getting back to the thing as far as rape and domestic violence, things like that, first time I'm sharing this story, I'm willing to share it because my goal is to help people. So please don't call me with, oh, I'm so sorry that happened, and I don't want all of that. Don't do that. I'm healed. I've done my work, okay? But for those of you who might have ever been raped, and I find out there's a lot of you, I was raped when I was 15 years old, okay, by not a total stranger, but a stranger in the sense that it was someone who was an adult, twice my age, who worked at a summer job. I was in high school, and I was working at a summer job. And the guy very, very cleverly tricked me into going into a building. He, he said that it was a party for one of the people that worked at the office. And when I got there, bad scene. Nobody was there. And long and short of it is he beat the daylights out of me, okay? And tying this to what goes on, we're talking about post-traumatic slavery, but things happen in our own lives right now in contemporary time that we need to heal from. Now, the reason I'm telling you this story, ladies, is because I know, I personally know that many of you have been raped. And this is the way that I know that. When I finally got the guts to confide in one of my girlfriends, because, again, I've never talked about this publicly before. This is the first time, and I'll tell you why in a moment, okay? Because people need to know these things so we can understand what people are carrying in their hearts and why, right? When I first told my girlfriend about it, my best friend, we were in our 30s, 
So that was over 15 years later that I had the, um, the ability to really talk about it. And do you know what my girlfriend said to me? She said, I'm so sorry you told me that. When we were in high school, I was raped too. When I was coming home from school, a man grabbed me and dragged me into an abandoned building and raped me. Then I have another girlfriend, because I have a few best friends. I've kept my friends all my life. I, I don't know how we managed to do that, but I still have my same friends from high school, right? <laughs> Plus the new friends I've met along the way. And um, it's like woman after woman is saying, that happened to you? Oh, my God, that happened to me too. Ladies, we need to talk. Right. Now, right. let me tell you something. This is the first time I'm saying it publicly. The man who raped me said to me when he, when he finally released me from that building, he said to me, if you tell anybody I will send five men to your house to rape your mother. So here I am, a 15-year-old, first of all, couldn't even process what had just happened, okay? And now I'm, not only am I being threatened, but my mother is being threatened. And somewhere in my mind, I believed that he would do that because, first of all, if he was insane enough to do that to me, I felt he's likely to do anything. Mm -hmm. Now, I, didn't, I know he didn't know where I lived, but being it was a summer job, I felt that this man had a good chance of going through the records or finding somebody at the place that I worked at to go through the records and really find out my address and follow through with what he threatened, and hence, I never told anybody about it, okay, for years. So, when, so ladies, if you're wondering why you might contract certain diseases, so here I am dealing with not only that, but I'm dealing with the anger. I'm trying to figure out a way that I could, you know, do something horrible to this man, knowing that that's wrong because the Bible says thou shalt not kill, but here's someone who had totally violated me as a child. 15 years old, okay? So I have all these things going around in my head, and then years later, you wonder why maybe I got diabetes? Mm -hmm. So you can't, ladies, you can't hold on to stuff, and you have to process it. You have to find a way to open that pipe. The pipe is your mouth. Open the pipe. Let it out. You have to find a way to let it out. Otherwise, things that you hold inside of you, they can kill you. Mm -hmm. And why is that not fair? because you didn't do anything, and you're the one suffering from it. So there's so many layers here now. Okay, thank God HIV AIDS wasn't around at that time right. because I was so scared I didn't tell anybody. I didn't even go to the doctor, okay? I didn't even go to the doctor. I was so scared. I thought this man was going to rape my mother. Now, why I'm coming out with it now is in the beginning of the show, if you had tuned in from the beginning, um, we had a moment of silence for my mom who passed away um, a couple of weeks ago. Do you realize that even though intellectually, and this is, this is why the healing thing gets so deep, everybody, I'm willing to put myself out there to help you to heal. This is why this thing gets so deep. Even as an adult, even though I can intellectually process what happened, okay, because I'm in my 50s, so even though I can intellectually process what happened, I made a vow that I would never allow anything to happen to my mother in that respect. So I never said anything all my life. He can't hurt her now. She passed away. I'm willing to tell my story 
so that I can help other people. And so when we're talking about healing everybody, this is real. Mm -hmm. You can go and you can get some pills, you can get some herbs, you can get some medication, you can get acupuncture, Reiki, massage, you can do whatever you need to do. Mm -hmm. But if you are not healed on the inside, it will come back. Absolutely. Okay? I'm done. I'm done. Sure, absolutely. Well, that's that's a very profound story you shared uh, with us, and uh, I'm so happy that you are in the process of uh, from not only being healed and and but I did my work to share the story so yes. that indeed uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of women uh, can be uh, assisted and helped with with your story, with your um, sincerity and and your commitment. Uh, I just wanted to say also that we're dealing with what might even be called an epidemic of women, um, especially within the college, the university uh, community, which is being addressed, I'm so happy to find out, that uh, that not only this date rape, which happens in the clubs and Mm -hmm. so forth, but now you have uh, rape being uh, uh, perpetrated within institutions that you would think that you would trust that that their your children your, your young daughters would be safe, but now you have uh, those at the school at the job at the job, and you have the in the people, church. Yes, people who have uh, uh, a sense of entitlement. Yes, and the people being the men for that yes, matter. Yes, that have a sense of have entitlement. Have a sense of entitlement, and because they're being given the adoration and and and, and the uh, being worshipped as celebrities and and stars, athletes, and so forth, that we have this epidemic. But without my digressing anymore, uh, I, I definitely want to respect the fact that we have uh, Chris uh, and Dr. Sokpaw on board with us, and I, I can't uh, emphasize more uh, enough, rather, that uh, we really appreciate you having uh, given us the time to uh, be a guest on our show and to share yeah. your profound wisdom and sensitivity to the issues that uh, we have been discussing, expect, especially uh, what you just touched upon. For the women, I mean, it's for the women. major because I would never have thought just when I told my girlfriend and then another friend and then another mm-hmm. friend, and it's like, yes. this thing is that widespread? Come on, people. Yes. Come on. So, Dr. Sopor, indeed, you are unique, and your colleagues, your two partners, are presenting a very unique opportunity for those in our community, especially here within New York City in the tri-state area, to uh, have access to your services because you're really providing a holistic service. Uh, the name of your clinic is, again, um, did you mention that earlier? Yeah, it's it's Oasis Medical Clinic. Oasis Medical Clinic. Great. And also, yeah, I, I, I would have to say. Respond, for you to respond to what uh, Dora just shared, um, yeah, I would love to get the opportunity just to, you know, I'm speechless. I mean, I'm actually floored. I'm sitting here, like, struggling, like, holding back the tears, like, honestly. Um, Adora, I just appreciate your your openness and candor. I mean, you know, uh, you're leading people into, into their healing, and uh, <clears throat> that's really, really uh, amazing. What, what can I say? I just applaud you, and I'm so happy that I'm able to um, to share this space with you. Um, 
and uh you know if if you if it's, you know um wow i'm just i'm just amazed and shocked but maybe that's the level of candor that we need to t- to take in order to get the healing that we need and to get the people who need the healing um to heal to get to, to get them uh you know to have this example for them to to show them how to do this to mm-hmm. uh, to speak to um have this voice and to uh um to be able to emote and get this stuff off the chest you know to have this model you know um so i'm just floored and i just really really i have to say thank you and uh uh, the, the, from the deepest, deepest places of me. Thank you. You're welcome. Women need healing. I'm willing to put myself out there to help people heal because when people come to you, when, you're, when your patients come to you, Dr. Saltpaw, with a medical problem, especially the women, there's other things. There's a, and, if I, and if my telling my story can facilitate the women opening up to you in a larger way so that you'll be able to give them even better treatment, I'm willing to do that. People right. need healing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so on that note, um, we're going to uh, have future shows those of you in the listening audience, please spread the word about the Grassroots Holistic Health talk show and to let them know that, indeed, this is not just an average talk show, uh, podcast. We're really doing some very serious work. Yes. And uh, we're having very serious people, such as Dr. Softball, coming on board as guests. Yes. And we're looking forward to... Uh, hopefully having even his colleagues, his partners on mm-hmm. board with us to share their wisdom and and the uh, the breadth of their services. And, Baba, thank you for being willing to host this show. I have to put that in there <laughs> because, you know, there's other things you could be doing on your Saturday morning. Absolutely. So I'm grateful. <laughs> I, I thank you. I'm grateful to be your wife, and I'm grateful that you're willing to to do this show to help our community heal. Well, uh, thank you, and it's really my pleasure. I think I, I'm, I'm really obligated to do this. Uh, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, commit myself to doing whatever I can uh, as a uh, as an elder and as a responsible uh, man of African descent who has a little bit of knowledge. You know, I realize that... Uh, Every day is a learning experience for me, and, and needless to say, this morning has been a huge learning curve. So I want to thank you for sharing your knowledge and, and, and your um, uh, very profound story. And as well as you, Chris, thank you so much. Um, I, you know, I, I, words cannot explain, express the gratitude I have uh, for your uh, presence, your knowledge, and, and and who you are and what you represent as a healer uh, that's really genuinely concerned about the well-being of our community, especially uh, as you shared your knowledge about uh, black women health issues and and the recommended uh, uh, treatment uh, that they should embrace. We didn't get to talk about putting perms in your hair as it relates to cancer. Am uh, I am I just going over the edge now? <laughs> no, no. I, I think that I think that um, yeah. I, I mean, I feel like there's lots of things that we can go on and on about. Um, right. I'm, I'm willing to do another show 
I mean, this is this is a hot topic, and we didn't even get to uh, HIV. So <laughs> I mean, no, right? So, you know, I mean, it's it's a whole month, and so um, I, I definitely would love to. Uh, you know, I think we should do this again before the end of March. You know, in, in honor of um, of uh, our women. Absolutely. All right. So uh, let's communicate on that and, and set a date, uh, perhaps within the next two weeks. Um, like I said, before the end of March, and then we can address those issues uh, pertaining to HIV and other health uh, um, issues, such as the processing of hair, etc. Uh, very profound. One more question. Uh, oh, one statement. This is actually not a question. It's just a comment. So I just wanted to thank Dr. Salt Paul for being a guest at my place of oh, business yes, yes, this yes, week. Yes. And so that I don't create a conflict of interest, I'm intentionally not saying on the show where I work, mm -hmm. but I do want to just put it out there that the participants are asking for you to come back. They said you <laughs> must come back, and we're going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I just to. wanted to yeah. put it out there. I would love to. <laughs> okay. I had a really good time. Okay, and we're going to open it up to a larger level of staff next time. So I'll talk to you about that separately, but again, you know, I wish I could say where and all of that, but I don't want to create a conflict of interest. Okay? Okay. So once again, before we end the show, uh, could you please share with the listening audience your contact information, Doctor? Yeah, I'm at um, I'm 917-837-6722. That's my uh, cell phone if you want to schedule an appointment. Um, or you can email me at uh, D as in Doctor, R as in Ralph, S as in Sam, A as in Apple, L as in Larry, T as in Tom, P as in Peter, A as in Apple, W as in William, at Gmail, so that's drsawpaw at gmail.com. Um, you can email me if you've got any questions or if you'd like, you know, like to, uh, you know, schedule a visit. Also, um, we're doing a soft opening for our clinic at 255 Eastern Parkway, Brooklyn. That's on the corner of, um, near the corner of Washington, almost across from um, the museum. Um, today, we're doing the, um, the soft opening from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m., and I'd love to see you guys there. Maybe we can um, share some uh, health stories, and I can tell you uh, what I know and try to help you out in any way, and maybe we can help each other. So I'm um, looking forward to meeting you. Absolutely, and likewise. And bring a friend. Yes. <laughs> bring a friend. Bring a friend, everybody. Okay, so again, thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you later on this afternoon, uh, Dr. Sokor, and of course having you as a guest within the next uh, couple of weeks. So have Absolutely. a blessed day. Looking forward day. to it. And, and, and our regards to your family. Thank you. You're welcome. So, listening audience, uh, again, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is Barbara Wesley Gray uh, with Grassroots Holistic Health Talk Radio, and we again appreciate you tuning in and ask that you uh, spread the word throughout the African diaspora about the show. And, uh, of course, you can always uh, email me at barbawesleygray2016 at gmail.com. Again, that's barbaw, B-A-B-A-W-E-S-L-E-Y-G-R-A-Y-2016 at gmail.com. 
And be sure to visit my website, which is Drums of Change. That's www.drumsofchange.com. And the books that were mentioned earlier, uh, you can purchase at my bookstore. There's a link for my bookstore on that website. And as well, you can purchase a drum for your family and children at the drum store. Again, drumsofchange.com. Honey, I want to thank you for joining us this this, after, this morning, rather. You're welcome. And a very profound show, and, and it's always an exciting uh, experience when you're on board with us. Thank you. And you're welcome. So without any further ado, we give uh, praise to our ancestors, uh, to the Most High, uh, to those who are in the realm of the ancestors we honor, and we give thanks to all of you. So have a continued blessed day. Peace and love. As-salamu alaykum. Shalom. Have a blessed day.